0: news network a politician on the campaign trail once said we choose truth over facts i don't need to
1: mention any names joe biden but if you think that statement is reassuring you're probably not going to like what happens next because you're in the home of blunt force truth of conservative
0: thought not just talk of facts that are truth welcome to tnn the
1: truth news network and here's dan newman You know what, while I was listening to Pete Moss in the intro there, I got to be honest with you, I started to say, yeah, we've got all truths today and the left don't like to hear what we say at TNN Live, but you know what, most of the news today is about opinion. Oh my gosh, let me just tell you this, I know and you know who are the greatest arbiters of the truth. (laughs) And it's those on the left. They throw their opinions out there and they couch it every time. This is fact. This is undeniable. And if you disagree with us, you're one of those horrible MAGA people that you just want to take over the nation. You want to control everybody's thoughts and everything they do. You're fascist. Well, let me correct myself. According to the president, Joe Biden, if you're a MAGA supporter, if you're a Republican at all, you're a semi-fascist, which means you're not quite yet over the bridge, but you're on your way. This is unbelievable, and it's almost become unbearable. Good morning, everybody. That's my my, uh, diatribe today. I'm not going to give you a five or ten minute just special thing going into a show with my opinion. Not going to do that. We're going to get right to the show. We have a load of information to cover with you today. While we were relaxing over the weekend, lots of things continued around the world and we're going to get into all of those today. Hi there. (laughs) I hope you had a good weekend. My goodness, it was a football extravaganza all weekend long. Started Friday, Friday night, high school football. Then all day Saturday, college football. The NFL yesterday, NFL tonight. I want to point something out to you that I'm very proud of. Tonight, the Cincinnati Bengals are playing on television, the Monday night game. And a young man from right here in Shreveport and right here from Evangel Christian Academy is starting for the Cincinnati Bengals. That may seem like no big deal to you, but when you put that in the context of next Monday night, next Monday night on Monday Night Football, another guy from right here in Shreveport and also from Evangel Christian Academy is starting for the Baltimore Ravens. It's Ardarius Washington for the Baltimore Ravens. Trent Taylor the Cincinnati Bengals. You've heard Trent Taylor on this show several times. He was with the San Francisco 49ers a couple of years ago, and uh, he was injured and out for the year when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. The very next year, this year, the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl, and Trent Taylor was on the Cincinnati Bengals team, and, of course, they lost – to Los Angeles well what does all that means it just means football is at its height right now and at the same time major league baseball the world series is underway philadelphia is trying to get back against the houston astros the astros went up 2 and 0 but the series goes to philadelphia and if you know anything about major league baseball if you know anything about the Phillies, if you know anything about the city of Philadelphia, let me just tell you this. Those people up there are rabid about their Philadelphia Phillies. And what else is going on in Philadelphia? They're undefeated. Their NFL football team is undefeated, the Eagles. So they're into professional sports this year. And they have a right to do so. All of that being said, I just wanted to bring you up to date and let you know you may not be a sports fan. And if you are, you may not like Major League Baseball. You may not like uh, NFL football. You may not like college football or high school football. Maybe you're a soccer fan. There's plenty enough to go around for all of us. And I encourage you to support your team. There's nothing wrong in having a favorite in any sport professional or amateur, and then supporting them with your presence. And when you can give them a dollar or two every once in a while, do it, do it. I'm a product of two professional teams, the arena football league, one in Shreveport, Bozier, Louisiana, and then the other in new Orleans, the new Orleans voodoo in Shreveport, Bossier. It was the battle wings. And I can tell you this without fan, putting in, getting involved in season tickets, getting involved with your attendance and sponsorships, these kind of sports will not make it. And it is one of the greatest entertainment outlets for Americans today. I think we can all agree on this. There are far too many bad things going on that capture our attention. We need some diversion. And we need some diversion with something that is wholesome and that we can involve every member of our family. Sports will do that. It gives you a couple hours, maybe one time a week, where you can just throw yourself into it, and you don't have to deal with anything regarding politics. Well, that would be the case if you were watching sports on television, and you could turn the sound down. Because now, all of the pundits in professional sports that are so-called color commentators. They're all getting political during games. So you can cut them out and just watch your favorite sports team do what they do. Just trying to give you a little positive input this morning. There is some more. And so where do we go on the show today? Well, we've got election time. I know you didn't know that. (laughs) Next Tuesday, we're a week and a day away from the midterm elections. Isn't that exciting? And of course, when you turn your television on now, everywhere you see news, information, election going on in the news. And of course, if you live in any of these contentious areas, you're going to see a lot of political ads this week. And they're going to tell you how great their candidate is and how horrible their candidate's opponent is. We're going to get into that exhaustively in just a second. But let me tell you this, this time of year, it's an important time for all of us. We're about to enter the Thanksgiving, Christmas season, Hanukkah season. It's a really important time. And let me challenge you, dive into this holiday season. Saturday night in our, in our town and in our subdivision, we live in a, a a very large planned community that has every type of, um, every type economically of people that you can imagine we have million dollar homes in this subdivision we have three hundred thousand dollar homes in this subdivision and I'm just telling you that to illustrate what I'm about to tell you and how exciting it is in that context so what they did for Halloween and actually today's Halloween but what they did for the little kids in our subdivision they closed off the subdivision there are only two entrances in and they put security guards up there and they closed it off Saturday afternoon, early afternoon to early evening. And it was for trick-or-treating of the kids in this planned community only. And so Marianne and I, my wife, we stood on our front porch, and it was shocking to me. At about 4:35 o'clock that afternoon, Saturday, the streets were full of costumed kids and moms and dads. I've never seen anything like it. And some of the most creative costumes I've ever seen. And when I when I say there were a lot of them, hundreds were out along the streets in the subdivision. And so as they came to our door, little bitty babies in these beautiful outfits where mom would hold their hand, they could barely walk up the steps to get up on our porch. They were so small and it was so sweet to see what these parents were doing with their kids. I consider what we saw Saturday an investment by adults in their families. Some of these kids will remember this for the rest of their lives. And the moms and daddies were dressed up in costumes that coordinated with the costumes they had on their kids. It was really breathtaking. I've never seen this before and it was uh it was a really cool situation. I just got a text from one of our viewers, listeners, James Bosey said, "What subdivision do you live in?" It's Providence, P R O V E N A N C E in South Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, I probably shouldn't have said that on the air, but I did. Uh you don't know the street or the street number, so you can't come leave something ugly on my porch. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It was a great time though. And I love kids. Got six grandkids, but they're almost all grown. The youngest is in the eighth grade. We got one of them that uh, graduated from high school about four years ago. Another one that graduated two years ago. And now we have twin granddaughters and a grandson that are all juniors in high school. And then the baby, the caboose is in the eighth grade. So we're getting up there. You know, we're in our 60s and when you get to 60s what i thought that meant when i was a teenager what i thought that meant was you were picking out your coffin because you couldn't live much longer than 70 when you hit 70 you're an old folk <laughs> i don't feel that way right now i feel old but not that old i'm not in the i'm not in the ground and i'm not planning on going into the ground anytime soon So what are we going to do today? We have the Paul Pelosi debacle. Paul Pelosi, if you were somewhere where there was no news, in the wee hours of the morning last Friday morning, he was attacked in his home by a nut job, broke into the house, and beat Paul Pelosi with a hammer, of all things. Now, what about the hammer? Isn't it kind of odd, if you were one of the regulars here, you heard a week ago, that I gave you some statistics. I gave you some statistics about the weaponry used in killing people. Everybody automatically defaults to guns. Of course, that's got to be the number one tool used to kill people. It's not. You know which one is? Hammers nationwide. And I mean, when you look at the FBI's official statistics of the tools used in murders, the numbers of people that are killed in the United States with murders dwarfs the numbers that are killed with guns. So here's the obvious question. The question is, why isn't our president stumping to get rid of hammers? Hmm. I mean, after all, people use hammers to kill people far more than they use guns to kill people. It's not about the weapon. It's not about which one kills more people. It's about politics, political perspective, political policy, political positions. What do you think would happen if the president of the United States got up in a press conference and said, Look, we were wrong. We've been talking about guns and how evil they are and how many guns are used to kill people. And yes, they do do that. But we've got to take a position on hammers. More hammers are used to murder people than guns, and the number is exhaustively higher. So here's what we're going to do. My administration, we are going to get together with Congress, present legislation to outlaw the use of hammers. Period. If you need a hammer at the house, you're going to have to call an expert to come do the work for you because we're taking all hammers away from private citizens. The justification for that would be the same justification for his pontification about how evil are guns, especially those quote-unquote assault weapons, AR-15s. And you know my position on all that. I won't go into it, but I just wanted to point out how ludicrous it is for this bandwagon that everybody on the left jumps on every election season, knowing full well there is no way our federal government, even if they pass a gun law that prohibits the use of guns totally, they will never be able to take away all the guns that privately owners have in this nation. There are far too many, and doing so would be unconstitutional. It's been challenged over and over again in the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court made it very clear long ago, the Constitution grants the right to own and bear arms among the private people in the nation. So we're going to go into politics. We're going to do that in just a second. We're also going to look at something that In the midst of the midterm elections and all the uproar about it, we just kind of forgot about southern border insanity. We're going to look at that with some new information. It's going to shock you. And, of course, in just a little bit, I want to go into the Paul Pelosi thing because there's a lot of politicization coming out of it. We need to get the facts, don't we? So we're going to do that. And it's a Monday and any day that TNN Live is here which is every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. we love to have you on the show if you want to call in and tell us what you think. Toll-free, 1-866-378-7884. That's 866-37-TRUTH. Give us a call anytime. We'd love to hear from you. Well, let's just dive right into the election stuff. You know, we always like to hear what the opponents of conservatives that are running for office have to say about the races, about the candidates. And one of the biggest anti-conservative outlets out there in the way of news is from right there in Washington, D.C., the Washington Post. Washington Post, we all know, is one of the hardest leftist newspapers in the nation. Not the only one, but one of the hardest and the most far left and proud of being that. Well, as we look at these midterm elections, every day it just seems more and more like Republicans that are running for re-election in Congress and running for Congress for the first time. Their support among the American electorate continues to go up, if you believe the polls. And we're not looking at a poll. We're not looking at a couple of polls. We We watch Real Clear Politics, and we look at them because they put together an average of the top polls instead of handpicking the ones that kind of, they agree with real clear politics, publishers' opinions. But a consensus that is coming from several polls that are put together. And it looks like the Republicans are getting a little bit of more support every day. So let me tell you what happened yesterday. And when I saw it, I went bonkers. Bonkers a columnist from the Washington Post. His name is Henry Olson. He wanted to make his opinion known about what he thinks personally regarding what is probable in the election. Now, again, I'll remind you, Washington Post, Henry Olson, you didn't see Olson's opinion on the air anywhere in America over the weekend. But he went to our partners down in Australia, Sky News. And I'm not even going to tell you the details. Here's Henry Olson on Sky News.
2: Well, to the U.S. now, where many of us are eagerly watching the U.S. midterm elections and anticipating the results, President Biden has had a shocking first couple of years in office. And the Democrats, they look to be in complete disarray. Well, joining me now is the Washington Post columnist and a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Centre, Henry Olson. Henry, great to have you on Credlin. Now, we know the polls can and often are misleading, but they don't look good for the Democrats. What do you think is going to go down next Tuesday?
3: I think it's going to be a bigger victory for Republicans than the American mainstream media is suggesting. I think Republicans will take control of both chambers of Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives, and I think the margins will be larger than the poll averages or than the mainstream media is communicating right now.
2: So what does it mean for President Joe Biden if Republicans win back the House and maybe the Senate, as many expect, what will that do to Biden's legislative agenda? And does he become then a bit of a lame duck president, a president in name only in effect?
3: it certainly destroys his legislative agenda i don't think that the republicans will pass anything that reflects his legislative priorities uh you'll be set for two years of legislative warfare because in our presidential and separated powers system our annual budget needs to be approved by both the president and by the members of congress and obviously republicans and democrats will have different priorities for that and you can expect conflict over that you can expect conflict over immigration where republicans will try to get control of our borders. We had 2.7 million people encountered in the last year on our borders and trying to enter illegally. They'll try and stop it. And Joe Biden will try and see uh, whether or not he can prevent Republicans from stopping it. So you'll get uh, an end to the Biden legislative agenda and regular legislative warfare between the two parties over the next two years.
2: Well, and for us who watch uh, US politics uh, quite closely, we often see a lot of um republicans and some would say rhinos republicans in name only joining with democrats to pursue a democratic agenda is that a risk if the republicans do seize control of the 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 senate that we might still see that breakaway group
3: well there's certainly enough republicans who would be inclined to want to do that that they could pass something through the senate there's Undoubtedly, though, not enough Republicans that would be able to break ranks in the House, especially if the Republicans do as well as I think they're going to do, which is to say not take a narrow majority in the chamber, but rather have a pretty comfortable one. So I suspect what you'll see is a lot of backroom negotiations between House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, which they will be assuming Republicans do take both chambers to try and prevent that Setting one chamber setting up the other uh, for defeat. I think they'll try and present a united Republican front rather than permit people to leave the reservation only to have that fail in one of the two chambers.
2: OK, now you mentioned the possible new speaker, but over the weekend there was a dramatic attack on US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. It occurred at their home, he, Paul Pelosi, was met by an intruder, apparently, demanding, where is Nancy? The intruder allegedly broke into their ritzy San Francisco home and ended up attacking him with a hammer. Now, there are two things from this. I know there's conflicting stories out there, but it does reflect the decline of American political discourse, but also the incredible rise of crime in California where not even the rich and famous appear to be safe anymore. Yeah, it's completely baffling
3: as to how somebody was able to break into what is presumably a decently protected compound. Uh, But California crime is off the charts, and particularly crime in San Francisco, which is where Mr. Pelosi lives. And I think this will draw attention not just to alleged partisan differences. It's not clear that, for example, that this attacker was politically motivated as opposed to simply being a drug addict living uh, on the streets or living in squalor. Uh, but it will draw attention to what's been clear for the last couple of years is crime in many American cities is rising and some places out of control. And San Francisco is unfortunately one of the premier examples in the country of that happening.
2: Yeah, Extraordinarily, the media seem to have taken um, partisan sides in this by suggesting the attacker was a Republican MAGA person. The other, another group of people are reporting that he was a hippie and a a drug user. We don't know what the truth is. The police haven't uh, released any uh, of the footage and none of the security cameras, apparently the footage from that has been released around the Pelosi home either. Is this going to now play into the political division narrative or are there genuine concerns about, you know, getting to the truth here? Well, I think the police will try and
3: get to the truth. Uh, I think, though, that what we're going to have over the next... 48 hours or so is a continued attempt to use this in a political manner to drive an agenda. But the fact is that we've been seeing a partisan agenda being driven for the last couple of years. It hasn't made Joe Biden popular. It isn't helping Democrats win over independent voters that they overwhelmingly say that they're concerned about the economy, not the partisan driven Democratic base priorities that the media has in many cases been driving home. And I don't think that this is going to break through and change people's minds, particularly the independent voter. It'll be the sort of thing that gets the Democratic base angry for one reason, the Republican base angry for another reason, and the independent voter will just keep doing what they're going to do, which is they're going to vote their pocketbook and they're going to vote the safety of their household.
2: Yeah, some things are common all around the world. Let's just jump down to Brazil quickly where uh, President Bolsonaro has lost his bid for re-election. And the former Brazilian president, a leftist Lula, has actually narrowly won. It's a country divided. The polls were clearly against Bolsonaro all along, but in the end it was a very, very close fight. What are your reflections on this change of government and what does it mean for Brazil?
3: Yeah, I I think there's a couple of things. First of all, once again, the polls underestimated the political strength of a populist conservative leader. It happened in 2019 when the Morrison government shocked Australia. It happened uh, with Donald Trump and Republicans in 2020. It happened in Sweden earlier this year. And I think that just a demonstration that there are some people who simply are so disengaged, so distrustful, of the media and the establishment, that they no longer respond to polls, and that's something people need to take into account. I think Lula's power is going to be uh, restrained by a Congress that was elected last month that is largely dominated by center-right and uh, conservative parties. The fact is, Lula won a negative victory, which is to say people didn't endorse his agenda, they endorsed the departure of Bolsonaro. And he will have a very hard time getting things through Congress that are anything other than consensus measures.
2: It's a fascinating time in global politics. Henry Olson, thank you for joining us on Credlin tonight.
1: Wasn't it interesting to hear Henry Olson, a columnist who writes some very, very far-left columns for The Washington Post, come out and actually support the projections that Republicans are going to take over the House of Representatives, which many thought was going to happen. But he also said in the same sentence, take over the House and the Senate. And in the Senate, it's always tough to make a change of the party in control in the Senate because there are only 50 seats for either party. Right now, it's 50-50 with the tie being broken by the Democrat vice president, Kamala Harris. So to move that margin, it takes a lot of people and a whole lot of money to influence enough voters to turn to supporting one party over the other one that they're in right now. We're going to watch it closely. Obviously, you will too. So, let's talk for a moment about the current polling. According to CBS, from October 12th to the 14th, independent voters preferred generic congressional Democrat candidates over Republicans, one by 40% to 38. But in a second poll from just a couple of days ago, October 26th through the 28th, independents say they prefer generic congressional Republican candidates over Democrat candidates, listen to the numbers, by 49% to 33%. This means that Republicans saw an 18-point swing in their favor among independent voters over a two-week period. The CBS web-based poll surveyed 1,000 Americans. It has a plus or minus 3.5% margin of error. So, with this prospect of Republican voters in both the House and the Senate, it's increasingly growing as likely voters say they're more concerned about issues like the economy and inflation which they trend to trust Republican candidates more to handle than Democrat candidates. Democrats, on the other hand, they have pushed their candidates, their generic ballot candidates have pushed social issues over economic issues. And the American people don't like that. James Carville hit it on the head, I mean a long time ago. James Carville... Uh, a crazy guy from Louisiana, South Louisiana, and he's all over the place. But he often is right on when he gives us his political perspectives. And when Bill Clinton was facing a horrible, horrible thing in his run for re-election for his second term as president, he had gotten involved with a volunteer at the White House, somebody that was female, very attractive, much younger than him, and they had an affair. It all became public knowledge just before the election for the midterms for him. I'm sorry, for his second term. And it was all over the news and people were questioning, oh, can Bill Clinton be reelected because of that Monica Lewinsky scandal? James Carville was part of the Clinton administration, as an advisor, and he made a very, very salient response to that question, one that has lasted through the ages. Talking about a political election, James Carville said, it's always about the money, stupid. It's always about the money. And so the Democrats forgot that, and they have been pounding the nation over social issues. Not so much because they don't believe the economy is a big deal for Americans, but this administration has driven our economy so far into the tank, very few Democrats are willing to support this administration, especially regarding economic policies, because it sucks. It does. It's horrible. And nobody can... Credibly say otherwise. Let me tell you how big a deal is about the Republicans likely to reclaim Congress. Betting odds. Now what are you talking about, Dan? I don't know if you know it, but Las Vegas, boy, they really love election season, and every sports book there will take bets on pretty much every national election. Now, what does that mean to voters? What does it mean to elections? Let me just tell you this about sports. When you start talking about wins and losses in sporting events, it's it's a science, and most people don't believe it or understand it. There are people that have actually figured out, not always, but more than half of the time, they figured out how to predict the outcome of political races just like they do in sports games finals. And the process is scientific, and it's really deep. I'm not going to go into all of that. But when it comes to, in most sports races, games of all kinds, I'm talking about not just football or baseball, I'm talking about every sport. The experts that set the betting lines, they're almost always right. Betting odds contradict the election forecaster 538's prediction that republicans might not reclaim both chambers of congress the difference between polling based forecast models and betting market data it's a pretty notable thing and people need to get an understanding of it the official forecast from 538 gives republicans less than a 50-50 chance to reclaim both chambers while members of the public who have wagered money on the midterms place the odds at 75% chance. The Republicans take the Congress, take the House, and the Senate. Political betting markets are a very notable source of data because they run on monetary bets around the country, not solicited opinions given to pollsters that use some type of statistical model that have proved to be wrong in the past. Follow the money. (laughs) And when people are betting, most people that bet on these races are betting huge dollars. I know you probably don't want to hear this, but when that happens, it means they pretty well know something that maybe and likely you and I don't know. Now let's move away from betting what about people there are some races that are shocking people right now especially political experts one of them is in new hampshire in new hampshire which is always a red state the gop operative class was looking to order vast cask of whiskey by the middle of this past summer why the abortion protests were having an impact on the voter concern list the democrats passed their august spending bill and joe biden's approval rating was creeping so as we often do we conservatives overreacted to the threat not counting on voters seeing how their paychecks were cannibalized by the inflationary measures pushed by the biden white house they were watching that that happened in late August with the Consumer Index Report that was brutal. Uh, Why? Because we're also in an economic recession. The hysterics over the abortion, it waned pretty quickly because of all the other stuff, with independent women drifting into the GOP camp. They're pro-choice, but they're not stupid. Being homeless in this dismal economic climate are more important than abortion rights. So the Democrat Party is heading into the midterms with no advantage among women voters. The red wave that was in doubt a month ago is back, and it's not any longer a wave. It's morphed into a tsunami. Most of the stories regarding the control of the Senate were geared toward what was happening in Pennsylvania and Georgia. Think about it. Those two races have dominated the news cycles. So we'll get to how Democrats are in trouble across the country. But did Republicans forget what's happening up north? Talking about the Granite State, New Hampshire. New Hampshire is often a political mirage for Republicans. The governor there, Chris Sununu, opted to run again for governor. He was the darling of the Republican Party that Republicans really felt like he needed to run for the U.S. Senate. He's going to win re-election, handily, as governor. But what about the races for the U.S. Senate in the first congressional district in New Hampshire? New polls show that the Republican Senate candidate, Don Bolduck, is tied with the incumbent, Senator Maggie Hassan. And Caroline Levitt, the Trump-backed congressional candidate, is also surging. So as we close out the 2022 cycle, everywhere isn't safe for Democrats. Everywhere. Everywhere. It didn't look good in Pennsylvania until Dr. Mehmet Oz, the Republican Pennsylvania candidate, He took a sushi knife to Democrat John Fetterman's appalling record on public safety. Fetterman's once solid double-digit lead is gone. What about Georgia? Well, Herschel Walker shocked the world by having a somewhat decent debate performance against Democrat incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock. The slew of abortion stories about Walker college Hall of Fame football player, hasn't made much of a dent. Walker's accused of paying for an ex-girlfriend's abortion, which way make him look hypocritical, but it's not illegal. No one seems to care. Warnock has, up until recently, refused to go near the story, not wanting the race to devolve into a character debate, since he can't win probably on that one. Warnock has many skeletons in his closet, the latest being that his church, where he serves as a senior pastor, earned almost $8,000 a month in living expenses, is tossing out poor people from an apartment complex they own. Those evictions occurred during the height of the COVID lockdowns, believe it or not. And so, the latest polling shows that Walker has surged in the polls as the climate for Republicans has improved in Georgia. Maybe that's why Warnock is getting more personal in the attack ads. But a lot of experts think it's too late in a state where the undecided pool is profoundly tiny and elections, elections walking up to the voter polling stations. Most people, not most people, but a huge majority of people have already cast their votes in Georgia. And what about out West? Democrats seemed poised to let Nevada and Arizona's elections slip away, losing both Senate seats and keys to the governor mansions. Carrie Lake, you're going to hear a little bit from her in just a bit. Carrie Lake is surging in Arizona's gubernatorial election. She could carry Republican Senate candidate Blake Masters with her in Nevada. The Latino hesitancy to get behind the incumbent there, Democrat Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, has Nevada liberals soaking with sweat. Clark County's teachers, Clark County, that's Las Vegas, the union has refused to endorse Democrat Governor Steve Sisolak, who also got a vote of no confidence from the state's police union. Labor union support in Nevada is the life's blood for the political machine, the late Senator Harry Reid established back in 2008. Without it, Democrats got to tread water with an anchor tied around their ankles. So with less than a week and one day to go, momentum is on the Republican side, which is invaluable at this stage of our lives, not just the election cycle. There's no time to retool a message package or rework a campaign narrative. It's already done, folks. Democrats wasted those precious moments on abortion, which failed, leaving them owning an economic mess, high inflation, and a president with approvals in the high 30s, and he's at home this week. He's not even in Washington the week before the election. No doubt. If election day were held on, let's say, November 15th, the odds would be a lot better. The GOP surge in New Hampshire just might have begun too late, but we'll see. A red tsunami watch is on, and it's big league. And I, for one, I got to tell you, I think it's going to be a massive red wave come next week. What do you think? Well, I told you we had Carrie Lake coming up in a little bit. We also have Herschel Walker. And uh, we're not going to kill you with election news, but there are some changes that have happened while you were enjoying your weekend. And we want you to know about the changes. Plus, we're going to get away from politics in a way, in just a little bit, too. There are a lot of things that you need to know about. We're going to get into those in two minutes at TNN Live. You get a whole lot of something with farmers' policy perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans is the claim-free 3 Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available
4: in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions Underwritten by farmers, trucker, fire insurance, exchanges, or affiliate.
5: Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, Right. That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. For over
0: 75 years, people have saved money with,
5: oh, with Gecko. Oh, sorry. Here what? we go from the
0: top and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. So... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko, I said Gecko, oh. for over 75 years, <laughs> keep it together, I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> for over 70- seventy. <laughs> what are you doing there, stop making me laugh, Geico, saving people money for over 75 years, don't look at me, don't look at me,
3: those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation, join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds,
0: roller derby? No. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org.
1: Gotta be honest with you, if I was running for office, I'd probably like to have in my corner Herschel Walker. What a great athlete. Man, he was versatile. He made his big money and his fame in football. If you remember correctly, the uh, what was it? What league was it? I can't remember the name of it. There are so many of those that go around. But the big professional league, it came up Donald Trump when he was a uh, a businessman. He helped start this league, and Herschel Walker was coming out of Georgia. The NFL was hot to get him to go into the NFL, but he spurned the NFL and went to this other league and made a massive amount of money. And when that league didn't make it, Herschel Walker just flipped over to the NFL and made a bunch of more money. That's the way you do it. If you're good at what you do, you find a way to monetize it. A lot of people think Herschel Walker because he's got a Southern drawl and he's from an African-American community and grew up speaking their language. They think he's not an educated, knowledgeable man. Well, guess what? As of this last Friday, he's five points ahead of Senator Raphael Warnock in Warnock's race for re-election. Walker earned the support of 48 respondents in a poll while Warnock gained 43%. That's Rasmussen, one of the most credible uh, polling companies in the world. Four percent of respondents said they'd vote for another candidate, which was the same amount of those undecided. So under Georgia election law, if no candidate gets 50% of the vote outright, a runoff election with only the top two candidates is held. So per this Rasmussen survey, Walker would need only half of all undecided voters to win outright, while a victory for Warnock would only be possible with a runoff, which he gains votes from Walker or minor candidates. The Senate race in Georgia is considered among the most competitive in the nation. Republican Senator Johnny Isaacson in 2016 was replaced with Kelly Loeffler by appointment when he resigned. Loeffler lost a special election to serve the remainder of Isaacson's term in 2020, and that's how Warnock got in office. Walker, a prominent former college football player, was recruited to challenge Warnock by Senate Republicans, gained the early support of both Trump and Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who have otherwise been at odds politically. Since October 4th, his campaign has faced scrutiny in the middle of a bunch of allegations that we just talked about. But right now, I just want to say, it looks good for Herschel Walker. And it's interesting as we watch these polling results come out in all of the networks and uh, news outlets. As we get closer to the election, it just seems like there is a groundswell of support among the American people. Moving away from Democrats and also President Biden, although this is not a presidential race, and are supporting Republicans at every level. So one of the biggest races, it's not about Congress. It's about what's going on out West in Nevada and also in uh, Arizona. Arizona, again, does not have or is not involved in a lot of elections, but there is a big race in the Senate there and there's a big race in the governor. Governors Races are still very important. They're supposed to be not national because nobody votes on who's running for office and wants to be governor of uh, Arizona that doesn't live in Arizona, right? Well, that's a big race. Kerry Lake, you may have heard the name. Cary Lake is a news anchor. And she's an attractive woman. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm not sexist. I'm just making an obvious point. And she's very well known and very well thought of in, uh, in circles there. Not so much by the media, but by the residents, the citizens who vote in Arizona. And so the media have been tough on her. Why would they be tough on her? Because she's a Republican. But she's a tough Republican, and she stands up to that stuff. And she's been doing it through the last weeks, but especially last week.
6: I think you know what I was saying last night. It was a, I was pointing out that the media loves to run with these bogus stories that hurt conservatives. And they do it. No, let me answer. If you ask the question, let me answer. The media loves to run with bogus stories that hurt conservatives. And let me give you some examples. You love to smear Republicans. That's what you guys make your money off of. Thankfully, no one's watching you. Look what you did to Kyle Rittenhouse. You smeared him. Look what you did to Nick Sandman, a teenage boy. You smeared him with no evidence. Same type of stuff, Joe. Same type of stuff. You You smeared. I had evidence. Yeah. I had, no, I didn't say it was staged. I said it was a Jesse Smollett type story, a political story meant to hurt conservatives. And I did have evidence that was the case. You know why? The evidence I had was I had nothing to do with it, and I knew that. You did the same thing, shame on you, with Kyle Rittenhouse, Nick Sandman. You spread Russiagate bullshit stories for three and a half years and divided this country. Thank God your ratings are in the toilet. That's exactly where they deserve to be. Start being journalist. Stop spreading the garbage that the Arizona Democrat Party and Katie Hobbs and the Democrats are spreading and start doing your job.
1: Isn't it interesting that it takes a news person that decided to run for office, a significant office, by the way, governor, governor of Arizona, it took her, Carrie Lake, to call the media out and literally put them on point, challenge them to stop reporting and giving the American voters lies and just tell them the truth. Because of that, I think primarily because of that, voters in Arizona say, you know what? We kind of like her. So over the weekend, something big happened. You know who Liz Cheney is. Liz Cheney is the outgoing congressional representative for the state of Wyoming. Wyoming has only one, one seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Why is that? Because seats in the House are determined by population in each of the states. And because of population, let me just tell you how this works. There are only 435 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, Now, how are those distributed? They're distributed around the nation by population in each state. And every election cycle, there will be some movement and reapportionment. And sometimes that means some states lose seats in the House. And that means some other states got those seats. The number always stays at 435. So, Liz Cheney has been the member of the U.S. House of Representatives in Wyoming. And in her reelection bid back in November, she lost in a primary election, lost in a primary election to her opponent that was somebody that had never been in politics. And she lost by 30 points. What does that mean? That means most people in Wyoming didn't like Liz Cheney. And principally, they didn't like her because of her coming out and despising and going after former President Donald Trump and she's made every attempt you you can think of to get rid of him not because he's in the White House but she, she doesn't want him to even have the chance to run again, ever she doesn't want him to have the ability to serve in government, US government ever and so not only is she going after Donald Trump She's going after some other Republicans. One of them just happens to be Carrie Lake. And so what did Cheney do that just lit the fuse for Carrie Lake? Listen to this. Liz Cheney and her campaign. Remember this. She lost the election, but a lot of contributions came in to her campaign fund. A candidate can use that money for anything that they want that has to do with the support or operations of her campaign. And one of those things that's legal for them to do is spend money on campaigns of other candidates. So what did she do? Liz Cheney ran a $500,000 ad campaign against Carrie Lake in her run for governor in Arizona. That's probably the coldest thing you hear in politics is when somebody does that. So let me ask you this. You know a little bit now about Carrie Lake. If you didn't already, you just heard her. She doesn't mind getting in somebody's face that she doesn't agree with or doesn't agree with her. So she went public and she lashed out as... Fellow Republican Liz Cheney funded this ad buy against Kerry Lake's run for governor in Arizona.
6: I think you know what I was saying last night. It was a I was pointing out that the media loves to run with these bogus stories that hurt conservatives. And they do it. No, let me answer. If you ask the question, let me answer. The media loves to run with bogus stories that hurt conservatives. And let me give you some examples. You love to smear Republicans. It's what you guys make your money off of. Thankfully, no one's watching you. Look what you did to Kyle Rittenhouse. You smeared him. Look what you did to Nick Sandman, a teenage boy.
1: And I just ran that from Carrie Lake just a few moments ago. But I wanted to run her comments lashing out against Liz Cheney for what she did. So let's go there.
7: All right. That,
5: let's bring in now, though, Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, who joins us this morning.
6: Uh, Carrie, we're glad to have you on the program this morning. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's so good to be here. Happy Halloween early. I can't wait to see what uh, what they're going to transform you into. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You and me both, <laughs> Carrie. It's great to have
5: you. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. You know, you've, you've been on the trail a, a number of appearances that have uh, that among conservatives, have really galvanized uh, folks as far as how you fight back against the media and and characterizations of candidates. Uh, There's also an ad running in Arizona right now attacking you from a familiar Republican, well, sort of Republican face. Mm. Here's, (laughs) debatably, here's 10 seconds of that ad, and it features Liz Cheney.
8: I don't know that I have ever voted for a Democrat, but if I lived in Arizona, I absolutely would. We cannot give people power who will not honor elections. Unbelievable! Yeah, unbelievable.
5: Uh, Here's a a portion of your open letter back to uh, to to Liz Cheney. You wrote, "My team tells me your commercial should add another 10 points to our lead. I guess that's why they call (laughs) the Cheney anti-endorsement the gift that keeps on giving. Quite an endorsement, Karen."
6: My goodness, I'm telling you, uh, she is going to be our best fundraiser yet. We have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars since her ad started and since we put that letter out. Um, She's just, uh, she's hated by both sides right now. I mean, we're actually bringing Democrats over to our movement. They don't like Liz Cheney either. And for her to think that she can come into Arizona and try to influence this election, it's comical, it's sad. And a little bit scary. I think the scariest costume you could put on for Halloween would be Liz (laughs) Cheney. You'll get no candy at anyone's door.
4: (laughs) No, she is definitely um, lacks charisma. Let's just say it that way. Um, Which is something that I think you have in spades. And it's something that a lot of people are very interested in you because... You have been fearless in taking on topics that people say you're not allowed to talk about. You do it, but you do it with intelligence and you do it with facts. um, And you aren't afraid to take on the media. I'm gonna play this clip here (laughs) of you just sort of toying with a CNN reporter, if you will. Listen.
6: <laughs> okay. Hi, Harry. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. You, off of you don't have a mask on anymore. What's
7: going
6: on? Wow. Well, we're six feet apart. <laughs> do you
7: have a minute to chat?
6: Um, I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN Plus. Oh. <laughs> Does that still exist? Yeah. I didn't <laughs> think so oh, because no. the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank he, you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Is that... (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was fun. You know what's not fun, Carrie? And I just got back from the Texas border. I'm originally from Arizona, so I understand what's happening in the state of Arizona in terms of um, the open border policies of this administration. And we've sat here on the couch, you've said, you've made a promise to the people that you would declare an emergency. We all think you really will. What's that gonna look like if you're elected?
6: Well, we've got a real frightening situation at the border. We do have an invasion, millions of people pouring across illegally. Many of them do have criminal backgrounds, and we know right now that the cartels are in control of our border, and we're seeing a crisis with the fentanyl that's pouring across. Nearly 3,000 Arizonans died last year of overdoses, and people like Liz Cheney are uh, more concerned with uh, you know, running her mouth trying to prevent someone like me who wants to protect the citizens of Arizona. than wanting to do something about it she's more concerned with january 6 commission than the migrant who came over on january 6 and wanted to kill and tried to kill a border patrol agent we have a crisis on day one we're calling it what it is an invasion and we're going to send our national guard to the border start to stop people from coming over and take on the cartels and end their fentanyl trafficking through Arizona. It's as simple as that, we have the right, it's in the US Constitution, Article One, Section 10, we will invoke those powers, and the state of Arizona will take charge of the border.
1: I gotta be honest with you, Carrie Lake is very impressive. Now what you just heard uh, regarding the attacks against her by others, let me tell you who she reminds me of. Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. No, they don't look alike. But they both carry that same attitude, which is, look, here's what I believe in. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the rule of law. And what I do in government, it is going to be just that. We are going to abide by the rule of law. We are going to look to the Constitution for our guidance. And anybody that stands in the way by not agreeing with that same thing with us, what are we going to do? We're going we're gonna to smash you. We're going to stop you from doing what you're doing in contravention of the Constitution and the rule of law. So what does that do to the voting base out there? It polarizes. Everybody wants to take sides, but you know what? That's okay. That's what the Constitution guarantees, that everybody has the right to to have their own opinion when it comes to elections and who they want to vote for. Where we run into problems is when one side begins to demonize those from the other side for having differing opinions on whatever issues are at stake. Now, it's always been a divisive thing, political parties. But what the structure of government is and was established to be is to give everybody, through the First Amendment, the guarantee, the right that you can speak your mind on any issue, whether it's considered to be good, whether it's considered to be bad, you have the right to speak it. And if somebody disagrees with you, they have the right to, a constitutional right, which means a government right to speak out against your opinion and vice versa. But it's got to stop right there. And the left just don't seem to get that. They don't get it at all. Now, before we go to a break, let me tell you about something else that is going on. Have you heard about the Club for Growth? The Club for Growth is an entity that's going to spend $5.5 million largely on TV ads this week and next week as America rapidly approaches the midterms. This infusion of cash is to aid Republicans' bid to unseat Kelly, Mark Kelly, the astronaut. You remember him? He's a Democrat, and he's in the U.S. Senate as a representative, one of the two in the U.S. Senate from Arizona, and the Club for Growth, they don't want him they want him out of there. It will aid Republicans' bid to get rid of Kelly after Senate leadership fund, a Senate Mitch McConnell super PAC, has not spent significant dollars on Masters, Blake Masters, who's running against Kelly for that Senate seat. Now, Dan, you said Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is not supporting the U.S. Senate candidate, Blake Masters. That's right. That's right. Why is that? Mitch McConnell has decided he is going to pick and choose who he wants in the U.S. Senate as a Republican. And he controls the Republican Senate committee's money. Donations that come in, the super PAC that comes and spends money on elections, who they choose, he controls that. And for whatever reason or reasons, he doesn't like Blake Masters. David McIntosh, who is president of the Club for Growth, told Axios, Axios is not a conservative outlet. It's very far left. McIntosh told Axios that the conservative activist group is focusing on Senator Kelly's negatives as he runs for re-election. So we decided we could spend money telling people about Kelly, raising his negatives, connecting him with Biden, and that would help Blake Masters give him a chance to win. That's what McIntosh said. Breitbart News got the Club for Growth Action's latest ad called Fried which explains Kelly's role in the historic levels of inflation that keep on rising and causing harm to every Arizonan. This is your wallet with Mark Kelly in the Senate fried by higher prices, the narrator said in that ad, showing a wallet being fried in a frying pan, cooked up when Kelly followed Biden's recipe for reckless spending, printing trillions we don't have, causing prices in Arizona to boil higher than almost in any other state. Outside money has worked to fill the gap as Masters has now reached a virtual tie with Mark Kelly in the polls. Saving Arizona, which is a super PAC financed by tech billionaire Peter Thiel, aired a $3.7 million ad campaign. Jessica Anderson, the president of the Sentinel Action Fund, Heritage Actions Fund Super PAC explained in a press conference this week that Master Surge is due to his vision for Arizona, while Kelly has exemplified a total lack of leadership. National Republican Senatorial Committee Chairman Rick Scott, Republican from Florida, explained in an interview host Matthew Boyle that Senate Democrats will lose reelection. Why? because Republicans have invested early in highlighting Democrats' radical records. Wow, 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 wow. And a judge came out over the weekend, i got to tell you about this, regarding a highly controversial thing in the Arizona ballot process. Uh, We're going to take that break now when we come back. We'll tell you what's going on about that and it's really interesting. And uh, we have so much more. We're going to get into the Paul Pelosi debacle. But after we tell you about that story I just mentioned, we're going to listen to former President Barack Obama as he's on the stump for his buddy Joe Biden around the nation in those key states. And he got in trouble with one group at one of those rallies for Joe Biden that he's doing. It's interesting. Barack Obama is considered to be the ultimate politician, probably when he was running for his two terms he was, but he is not doing such a great job out there running for Joe Biden. Now, does that have to do with Obama? I don't think so. I think it's due to Joe. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: Hello.
5: Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit.
2: Oh yeah, uh the instructions say the that what
0: now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use?
1: I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride, never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. Buy Snickers, remove
3: wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts.
5: Go to get some for more Snickers Man coaching.
0: Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork, work. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last.
1: Know that song. Thank you for letting me be myself again. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone. 69 and 70, actually 67, 8, 9, 70, 71, there was some great music out there. People, musicians, were really being creative in the stuff that they did. And everybody didn't sound like everybody else. And that was unusual, as you know, in the world of music. It's like When somebody starts something, some new thing. Remember when rap came out? You remember the very first rap? It was almost one song that took us to rap. I'll uh, tell you that story and play that song for you sometime, but we got to get back to the news. I told you there's a big story out there, and it's regarding election problems. A federal judge has refused to bar a group from monitoring outdoor ballot boxes in Arizona, in its largest county, Maricopa County, saying that to do so could violate its constitutional rights. Groups can monitor Arizona ballot drop boxes. That's according to U.S. Drugs, uh, a judge, Anita Snow. A federal judge on Friday refused to bar that group from monitoring those outdoor ballot boxes in Arizona's largest county, where watchers have shown up armed and in ballistic vests, saying to do so could violate the monitors' constitutional rights. Interesting. U.S. District Court Judge Michael Liberti said the case remained open and that the Arizona Alliance for Retired Americans could try again to make its argument against a group calling itself Clean Elections USA. A second plaintiff in the deal, Voto Latino, was removed from the case. Judge Liberti concluded that, quote, while this case certainly presents serious questions, the court cannot craft an injunction without violating the First Amendment. The judge, by the way, is a Trump appointee and a member of the Federalist Society, which is a conservative legal organization. Both local and federal law enforcement They've been alarmed by some reports of folks, including some who were masked and armed, watching, just watching, 24 ballot boxes in Maricopa County. That's Phoenix, Arizona's most populous county, and rural Yavabe County as midterm elections get close. Some voters have complained, alleging voter intimidation after people watching the boxes took photos and videos and followed voters. Arizona law states electioneers and monitors must remain 75 feet from a voting location. Plaintiffs have not provided the court with any evidence that defendant's conduct constitutes a threat. This is the judge in his verdict. On this record, defendants have not made any statements threatening to commit acts of unlawful violence to a particular individual or to a group of individuals. Of course, the Arizona Alliance for Retired Americans was disappointed. We continue to believe that Clean Election USA's intimidation and harassment is unlawful, it said shortly before appealing the case. It's interesting that this is out there. Nobody did anything, but because they look like they were going to do something, oh my gosh, we can't let that happen. we got to stop that, right? we got to stop that. Elsewhere, I told you, former President Barack Obama is on the election stump for his buddy, former Vice President Joe Biden. Now, let me put this in context. Barack Obama has not been a big fan of Joe Biden running for president. And he very famously said to a group of people that Joe Biden would F it up. Now, I doubt very seriously if the former president wanted that statement that he made to go public, but obviously it is a blockbuster that he would say that and somebody just jumped all over it to say, hey, guess what Barack said about Joe? But you know what? I personally don't think that the former president was wrong when he said that. And that's a big deal for me to say that I agree with anything Barack Obama says. All that being said, I thought you would listen to what the people at a rally thought about what former President Barack Obama was saying in his stump speech for Joe Biden. Listen closely to what you hear in the background when Obama's speaking. Listen, everybody. Hey, y'all up there, pay attention. Here's what happens. That's the former president. And this is at a Biden rally. (laughs) Um, That doesn't bode very well for President Biden, who this week, this entire week, he is at the House. He's on the beach in Delaware. He's not, he's not doing any political speeches, or I think he will later in the week whenever Barack Obama's out there. I think they're going to be in Pennsylvania pushing really hard for Fetterman to beat Dr. Oz, which they did a little bit of that last week. And so, what are the biggest races that we're looking at? And everybody's watching closely. Of course, what happens in the governor's race and the Senate race in Arizona? Same thing in Nevada. Um, Laxalt is running against the Democrat governor in uh, Nevada. And Laxalt has got a slight lead in that race there. So, we're looking closely, as is everybody, at Arizona, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. In Georgia, those are the big four that everybody is watching. And in all four races in those states, at the controversial elections that are running in the Senate and the governor's races, Republicans have an edge. And it was just a slight edge originally in every one of those races. It was almost a sure thing for the Democrat candidates. But the American people have awakened. They've started looking at substantive things and it's moving every day a bit closer closer to the republicans in those states um so i don't know i don't know where to go i i think i think and this is in my spirit that i said this from the beginning i said this months ago that we would have an election wave win But I didn't, and I still don't think it's going to be the classical red wave that everybody is talking about. I think the GOP and the GOP supporters had got to be pretty careful this week because it could switch very quickly. You know, we always hear about an October surprise. Well, if we're going to have an October surprise and everybody thought it was going to be one of those abortion stories that came out pointing a finger at Herschel Walker running for a Senate seat in Georgia against Raphael Warnock and that that was going to be the October surprise, it didn't pan out for Democrats. Why is that? Let me tell you why the big deal is. And in the South, people understand this a bit better than they do elsewhere in the nation because religion is a much bigger deal in the South than in parts of the nation other than in the South. Herschel Walker told everybody, I am a different man than I was when I was growing up. I did a lot of things. I said a lot of things that I shouldn't have. But I heard Herschel Walker say what I'm about to tell you myself. He said, I gave my heart and my life to Jesus, and I've been serving God for a long time now. Looking back, I can't change what I did but I ask God for forgiveness and I believe in the Bible and I believe what it says about asking God for forgiveness and him giving forgiveness. I believe I'm forgiven. That hit home with Georgians. And just so Republicans and Democrats understand, the only opinions that count about Herschel Walker and whether he is fit to serve in the U.S. Senate representing Georgia or people that live in and vote in the elections. And according to the polls, those people would prefer to have Herschel Walker as their senator and not Raphael Warnock. So let's segue. We did election stuff for almost the whole first hour. Let's segue to some other stuff. It's kind of election news, but it's big news on another story. The issue of soaring crime across the nation under Joe Biden has come back into focus, and it really did big late last week, actually early Friday morning. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's house was broken into by an individual who attacked Nancy's husband, Paul, with a hammer. Crime is the second most concerning issue in the nation, according to polls. And it took center stage over the weekend as the midterm elections come to a head on November the 8th. The attack against the Pelosi's by this 42-year-old Berkeley resident was condemned by the establishment media and Democrats. In Wisconsin, for example, Democrat Senate Canada Mandelit-Barnes Is one of the most radical Democrats in this election cycle, he's pushed for defunding police, allowing felons to retain the right to vote, and he believes the inmate population in Wisconsin should be cut in half. Now, according to Wisconsin right now, Barnes has allowed at least 884 convicted criminals back onto the streets by releasing them on parole. Barnes' claim police do not prevent crimes. Police don't prevent crimes from happening, he said, falsely stated that on Real Talk with Henry Sanders, we don't live in a surveillance state, nor would you want to. Barnes also believes in abolishing ICE and permitting driver's licenses for illegal immigrants. And then up in Pennsylvania, we've talked about Senate candidate John Fetterman, He's soft on crime. Fetterman has pushed for decriminalizing heroin, creating drug dens where individuals can legally get high. He's supported ending cash bail. In 2018, Fetterman advocated for arresting criminals another day if they ran away from the police. He's advocated for abolishing prison citizens of life without parole when he was asked by Jason Flom on Righteous Convictions in 2021 what he would do with a magic wand, Fetterman said he would end prison sentences of life without parole. Earlier this year, Fetterman's call to ban the ownership of rifles a step further than simply banning the sale of rifles, which he has also supported by ending the Senate filibuster. I've always supported a ban on the assault rifle ownership Fetterman said back in April. We should not have weapons of war in the hands of civilians. And then in New York, Governor Kathy Hockle, she's put in place soft crime policies. The New York governor recently created gun-free zones in the state. She's additionally passed many other gun control initiatives, like banning the sale of AR-15s for people under the age of 21, Hackel also tried to enact gun banning legislation that a federal judge recently struck down. Republicans have appeared to campaign on a nationwide referendum on crime. The RNC, which is in charge of enabling Republican candidates to retake the House and the Senate and many governorships, they have blasted Democrats for their soft-on-crime policies. I think what's really reprehensible right now is Democrats are watching crime surge. This is Ronna McDaniel, chair of the RNC, told Gray TV's midterm election series on Sunday. They still want to talk about something that has been universally condemned instead of talking about the issues that face average Americans right now that are hurting under this Democrat leadership. They owe it all, she added. They have the White House, the Senate, and the House. And instead of solving problems for American people who are hurting, they continue to talk about a day where all condemn the violence across the board, Republicans and Democrats. Talk, talk, talk. Joe Biden hadn't done squat to make anything better regarding crime. I don't care what you say, there's no way to phrase it any other way. Now, the attack on Paul Pelosi, there are so many details that are still coming in, some that make it look a little fishy. And I know that might surprise you, but we're talking about Nancy Pelosi's family, and uh, there are a lot of things that seem to be different from what they are originally portrayed to be, because she is a very powerful person in the United States. She's third in the chain of uh, who would ascend to the White House in the case of something happening to this president. So anyway, Joe Biden, over the weekend, he had to weigh in on his opinions about what happened to Paul Pelosi. He blamed, of course, Republicans for the attack on Paul Pelosi. He claimed that Republicans' rhetoric was the responsible thing that inspired this attacker. Here's what the president said. It's reported that the same chant was used by this guy they have in custody that was used on January 6th in the attack on the U.S. Capitol, Biden said. I'm not making this up. The chant he was talking about, it was at the rally that you heard just moments ago when Obama was talking, that chant went on behind him. And Joe was saying, the guy that attacked Paul, uh, Paul Pelosi was saying the same thing in a rally that he went to. Now, Biden was referring to several media reports that cited anonymous sources familiar with the incident about the details of the attack. Joe said, this is reported. I can't guarantee it. I can tell you what's being reported, he said. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? You heard it. (laughs) Did it sound like, where's Nancy to you? It was very plain. It was F Joe Biden, and they filled in the blanks. Oh my gosh, Biden commented on the attack at the top of his speech at Philadelphia's third annual independence dinner, said that he spoke with the speaker and said that her husband was operated on and recovering and in good spirits. She's in a plane now heading out there to San Francisco. As he talked about this incident, Biden got mad and he began yelling, this is despicable. There's no place for this in America. There's too much violence, political violence too much hatred, too much vitriol. And of course, then he put the blame squarely on those evil Republicans. What makes us think that one party can talk about stolen elections, COVID being a hoax, it's all a bunch of lies and not affect people who might not be so well balanced. He asked enough is enough is enough. He concluded. Wow. Great wisdom from the President of the United States, don't you think? (laughs) So our buddies over in the other part of the world, on the other side and down below, Sky News, over the weekend they talked about Joe Biden. Interesting. They talked about him. But they talked about Joe Biden and his love fest with his vice president, Kamala Harris.
8: But first, let's check in with the leader of the free world, the president who secured more votes than any other in history. Here he is talking about his veep,
0: Kamala Harris. You elected the highest ranking black Indian with Indian background woman in American history to be vice president.
8: I don't know. Is there a ranking system now for Indians? That's what he said. Here are the President's precise words. You elected the highest-ranking black Indian with Indian background woman in American history, to be vice president. Now, I'm not aware of this ranking system for black Indians with Indian background, which seems to exist in Joe's head, but the vice president was in this week used to good effect by the White House. We've all seen clips of Biden regularly looking dazed and confused coming off stage. We've even seen a giant bunny act as his handler, ordering him to move along when asked tricky questions about Afghanistan, you know, Questions like, why did you abandon Americans there? But this week, it wasn't a bunny. <laughs> As President Biden put it, it was a highest ranking black Indian of Indian background who stepped in to stop Joe wandering aimlessly after an appearance. Take it away, Nurse Kamala. Who knows? Perhaps it was Kamala in that bunny suit all along.
1: Interesting. Um, I think that pretty much every American knows that Kamala Harris is portrayed to be an African-American woman. She's not. She's not. Her mother was from India and her father was from Jamaica. In fact, her father at one time was known to be the number one holder of slaves in Jamaica. Interesting, huh? So she is a woman of color, but she's not black. And uh, I think that is running the gambit of being any kind of endorsement for Kamala Harris. Why is that? Because people aren't listening to what Joe Biden and others have to say about Kamala Harris being more qualified simply because of her skin color, because they're watching and listening to her be the vice president of the United States. And that means she's supposed to do a lot of things. In fact, one of the things that she was supposed to do was what? Be the arbiter, the controller, the purveyor of reconciling our southern border debacle. She was supposed to be over it, and she obviously isn't over it, or if she is over it, she's been an abysmal failure because it is at epic proportions of evil, of being horrible, of being actually an international emergency for the United States, and yet President Biden does nothing about it. Vice President Kamala Harris does nothing about it. I mean, nothing, does nothing about it. And our debacle at the southern border just continues to get worse and worse and worse. And they're not doing anything about it. And it's tearing the nation apart. One CBS report of record-setting migrant deaths along the Mexican border may be grossly understated. One expert has said the report is based on the remains of 853 migrants that are recovered by Border Patrol agents. So at least 853 of them died while crossing or shortly after crossing the Mexican border into the U.S., and that's just during the past 12 months. The report is based on internal Border Patrol data obtained by CBS News. That number, 853 known deaths, represent a 56% increase over the 546 known recoveries of bodies Border Patrol had in fiscal year 2021. These 1,399 deaths during the Biden administration already exceed the Trump-era total of 1,126. That's Trump in four years, Biden 1,399 in two years but a source working under the umbrella of Customs Border Patrol said that these numbers are grossly understated and especially don't reflect recoveries on both sides of the border. They also don't include known migrant deaths where the remains are not recovered by Border Patrol agents. These deaths include dozens of cases on private property where local law enforcement make first contact. They also don't include many of the migrants who died in vehicle crashes or during transit due to exposure to extreme heat. If Border Patrol was not involved in the recovery, the decedent is not included in Border Patrol reports. One example is the death of 53 migrants in a tractor trailer in San Antonio in June. Human smugglers left the migrants locked in the rear of that trailer. No fresh air. No way to get out of that truck. Police pursuits of human smugglers can also lead to deaths not included in Border Patrol reports and statistics. Example, in September, several migrants died in crashes where smugglers were fleeing law enforcement or were simply driving recklessly in overloaded vehicles. The reports don't include any migrants' deaths where the bodies or remains are recovered by Mexican authorities. Another example, the deaths of 13 from an illegal border crossing attempt near Eagle Pass fits into that. The report includes at least three recoveries by Mexican authorities. Then in Brooks County, Texas, Sheriff Benny Martinez's deputies are facing a record number of migrant deaths there. Some are included in Border Patrol numbers, some are not. The sheriff said, the ruthless human smugglers do not care about the lives they put in danger every single day in our county. Smugglers frequently abandon migrants in the arid ranch lands and leave them to die. They also put their lives at risk along our highways. Earlier this month, two migrants died, 12 others were injured, as a human smuggler lost control of an overloaded pickup truck In July, another migrant died after being struck by a passing car as he attempted to run from Texas DPS troopers. On June 29th, at least two migrants died following a police pursuit near La Jolla, Texas. That chase ended when the driver lost control of the vehicle, causing it to roll and eject some of the passengers. Fewer than 24 hours later, a cop pursuit near Ensignal, Texas, came to an end when the driver crashed into the rear of an 18-wheeler. The crash led to the deaths of four migrants at the scene. Two other occupants of the vehicle, including the driver, had to be taken to hospitals for critical injuries. Smugglers are abandoning migrants in remote and dangerous areas, leading to a rise in the number of rescues, but also tragically a rise in the number of deaths the terrain along the border customs border patrol spokesman cecilia barrida said the terrain along the border is extreme summer heat is extreme miles of desert migrants must hike after crossing the border in many areas are unforgiving no matter how much we say about it no matter how many stats we give to you you got to understand something joe biden is getting these same stories and the same statistics that you and I are getting and probably getting more than we're getting and probably the numbers that we're giving you are way, way low compared to the actual migrant deaths. And he's doing nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I, I just don't get it. Americans don't understand it. Americans think it's absolutely stupid. And there are so many events, so many things that are fallouts that come out of the way that Biden is handling the southern border, which is he's not handling it at all. More than anything, what it seems like is Customs and Border Patrol agents, what they become is somebody that stands at the door like Walmart, opens the door and welcomes you in, and they're supposed to hold a counter to give the number of people that they let into the United States illegally. They're not even doing that. And so we don't have any place to put these people. I mean, they've been transporting them all over the nation. We hear the stories, not just Washington, D.C. and New York, but even months before that. They were in the middle of the night taking these migrants around to cities all across the United States, in many cases with no notice. Guess what Joe Biden is considering right now? You want me to tell you? The Biden administration is weighing options to expand their migrant operations center on Guantanamo Bay, Cuba with the potential influx of Haitians heading to our border. The Biden folks talking about sending these migrants to a third country or even expanding the capacity of facilities at Guantanamo Bay for holding and processing. Guantanamo Bay is located on the southwestern part of Cuba on a U.S. naval base. It's infamously known for its detention camp for suspected terrorists. Documents reviewed by NBC News show internal plans for the construction that would roughly double the area used for decades to house migrants picked up in the Caribbean. The Migrant Operations Center on Quondanabo Bay is separate from the prison area and has been used for more than 30 years to house migrants that are picked up by the Coast Guard. Currently, the center's capacity is at 400 beds. Now think about that number, 400 beds. Think about what it would cost us, the American taxpayer, to have staff to provide all the services necessary for 400 migrants there. This report came in the middle of new polling from CBS News that shows 45% of Democrats put recent immigrants' interest above those of current U.S. citizens. Democrats put recent immigrants' interest above the interest of current U.S. citizens. Not the Biden administration, Democrats. Only 15% of Democrats say they prioritize current Americans, and 40% who say they prioritize the interest equally. That just blows my my mind. Republicans are of the complete opposite mindset, with 64% saying current citizens' interest should be prioritized, only 7% saying it should be the other way around. Nearly 30% say they see interest as being equal. Figures released this month show that a massive record-breaking number of 2.37 million migrants were encountered by border protection in fiscal year 2022. 2.37 million. And migration isn't slowing. The polling release Sunday shows that 59% of voters think Democrats are going to move to open the Mexican border if they maintain control of Congress after the midterms. They're going to open the border Why do you say that's possible? What other long-term objective would there potentially be in this situation where they are ignoring right now and have been for two years almost? Ignoring border crossing. Oh, they're, they're making a show to make it look like they really give a rip, but they really don't. They want them here. They want them all here. They want them living here. They want the government to support, her, support them and for the Democrats to be in power so they can tell these immigrants that they're supporting 100%. Look what we're doing for you. We gave you a home. We let you come here illegally. We're feeding you. We're clothing you. We're giving you a place to live. So when election time rolls around, who are you going to vote for? you got to vote for any Democrat, any Democrat in the U.S. Senate, in the state in which we let you live in the United States Congress and the Democrat candidates that are running in the congressional district in which you live, you got to vote for them every time an election comes up. That is the end result that is being hammered by the Democrats has been and will be as long as they're in power. And by the way, if they lose control Of both the House, the U.S. Senate, and the U.S. House of Representatives, they will still be in the tank, doing anything and everything they possibly can, not just legally, but supporting anything, any way that they can to continue this flood of illegals at the southern border. Migrants, the flood is not slowing. Polling release shows 59% of voters, almost 60%, think that Democrats, if they get control and keep control of the House and Senate, they're going to move to open the southern border. Two U.S. officials told NBC the White House, along with its Gitmo expansion plans, is weighing sending these Haitian migrants to a third lily-pad country. The White House National Security Council is asking Homeland Security how many Haitian migrants would be required for the U.S. to designate a third country as a holding and processing place for those that are caught at sea. They are also looking at figures for how many Haitian migrants would overwhelm what they title a lily pad country. If this number were reached, it would require that Haitian migrants are taken to the Navy base in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. The U.S. is expecting a mass accident of Haitian migrants coming north after violent gangs sought to overthrow the island's nation government in September. That is still brewing down there. i got to be honest with you. I really think what has been happening down there is the most egregious thing that's happened on the watch ever of any United States president. And I just cannot understand why and how Joe Biden could somehow reconcile that his position on basically open borders. That's pretty much what they've done. They're down there, Border Patrol is down there, but they're basically waving at these illegals as they come across the southern border and they go into some building to fill out the forms to get their free pass, a free phone. They get a debit card that's loaded with some money. Nobody talks about that anymore. And they get on a bus to go find a place where they can live that you and I can pay for. Lock, stock, and barrel. Shelter, food and clothing, health care, a job if they want it and can get it, and, a course, free education for their kids. That's on you and me, 100%.
3: Northern Tool and Equipment.
2: My girlfriend has given me a pet name.
1: I'm afraid to ask.
2: Snuggle Muffin.
3: No, it isn't.
2: And she uses it in public.
3: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
2: I couldn't do that.
3: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower.
9: Got it. Here she comes.
7: Hey, Snuggle oh, What are you doing, Snuggle- Snuggle-, Snuggle- I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky.
0: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve.
9: Northern Tool and Equipment. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up.
1: Out for some lays and you face a test Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion Smoky barbecue Cheddar, sour, cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend.
3: The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. Conservative thought,
1: not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Well, we got a big week going on. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to remind you on Tuesday, every Tuesday, we bring in our investigative journalist, Steve Baker. Originally, he was giving us the details about human trafficking in Houston, Texas, of all places. Trafficking of young children of immigrants that have been coming... Into the U.S., in many cases, in most cases, as unaccompanied minors, in some cases, coming in with parents or adult family members. And those family members are letting human traffickers, letting those human traffickers traffic those babies. And that is unconscionable to all of us. I know you feel like um, that's totally unacceptable. It is totally unacceptable. So what else is unacceptable uh, around the nation right now that very few are talking about? But the school board situation where school boards around the nation are allowing all kinds of egregious materials be put in those libraries and the kids are being exposed to it. And I found over the weekend, I found a a parent, a dad, that just went nuts on a school board. And I wanted you to hear this.
9: Um, And so you guys probably are aware that TPS and Mustang schools are going through some accreditation problems via HB 1775. Um, you guys are going to have the same issue if you don't clean it up. And I'm going to find it, and I've got some connections that I've made over the last couple of years um, battling you guys, that I'll bring that to bear. These books, this is in two elementary schools. It feels good to be yourself, a book about gender identity. Sanger and Will Rogers teaches, teaches the kids that the doctor is merely guessing whether it's a boy or a girl. That's a millstone offense. Explicit child rape, child molestation. Do these have academic value? You guys are gonna have to answer that question. And, I, and it shouldn't take a form. If I send an email to a man who's in charge of protecting the innocence of our children and the response is fill out a form. I would consider that a millstone offense. There's a rape of a 10-year-old girl, graphic, in this book. It's heartbreaking. Uh, By no means should there be um, a ban on books. Don't mistake what I'm saying for that. There ought to be academic books in the school libraries. And this problem, I, I never imagined it would be at my alma mater. I went from fourth grade up. Still our public schools i'm a I'm an alum and we have books after book after book after book this is the junior high this book contains sexually explicit assault and battery um, um, i
1: I hesitate to read it I- And so this father i'm not i'm not gonna i'm gonna stop i'm not gonna give you any of that but this father started reading some of the contents that were so egregious, he was ashamed to read them. But it's coming from books that are already in the library at the school. And this, my friends, it's happening everywhere. It's happening in your child's library. And parents have got to step up. Got to step up and say, no, this is intolerable. This is something that we can't have anymore. And, and take a stand and demand that public school boards stop doing this and give parents the rights to be heard on issues like this. Well, guess what? We're going to end the show with Halloween. Halloween. And what better way to end the show with Halloween than with this probably the number one song all time that was ever created and uh, it was written and produced
7: Honestly, we're out of
1: by some of the most important so, and successful people in music so who would that be well it would involve somebody that uh, I think all of you can understand and know it involved Michael up. Jackson like and it involved a song of
7: course not. that
1: That's is one of I the biggest you. of all time. No,
7: I mean, I'm and
1: so I'm going to let you listen you about? as we end the show to one of the biggest and greatest all-time Halloween songs. We'll see you tomorrow. But in the meantime, this is Thriller.
7: to at midnight, and something evil's lurking in the dark Under the moonlight, you see a sight that almost stops your heart
0: Search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of. Closing in to seal your doom, and though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the
7: evil of the thriller. take you home.